Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. There's an old joke about vegans. How do you know someone is vegan? Uh, don't worry, they'll tell you. Uh, I can tell that joke because I'm a longtime vegan, and, and look at that, I just found a way to tell you. Uh, positioning of plant-based products interests me on other grounds, however, because the trend can be deceptive. Among the QSR brands, for instance, that we've worked with at our insider summits, the introduction of plant-based burgers and alternatives did not always find a persistent market. And as a plant-based shopper myself, uh, I've seen the shelf space for these items balloon in recent years and then contract. Uh, for instance, this weekend, I couldn't make my faux meatloaf uh, because there wasn't a block of impossible or beyond meat to be found in two of my local groceries where they used to be plentiful. So I'm especially eager to talk to our guests today about their experience launching a new plant-based CPG product. Uh, David Delcourt is the is billed as the chief of uh, Chief of Flavor and CEO for the hot sauce brand Seed Ranch Flavor, and now the plant-based mac and cheese brand that launched late last year, Grown As. David has a history of working on sustainability projects, including Huga Power, uh, Siva Cycle, and Make Me Sustainable. Welcome, David. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. So let's start with Seed Ranch Company. Uh, walk us through the experience of how that uh, grew uh, and the trajectory and how long it took you to launch that brand. And then we'll transition into talking about grown -ass. Yeah, well, and thanks for that, that intro. As you said, my title is Chief of Flavor. And how Seed Ranch came about is I've always been a big fan of spicy food, hot sauce, peppers and my original co-founder and I had decided hey let's let's make some hot sauces for gifts for friends and family around the holidays and really bring that the culinary experience so my passion has always been in the kitchen that hasn't been my my vocation if you will and so 2016 we came up with a few different recipes and narrowed them down brunches tastings with friends and soft launched this you know as as gifts yes but also we made five gallons of each to sell to friends who had tasted them we sold out of those in six days charged 10 bucks a, a bottle at the time and it felt like there was something there so what really started as a passion and wanting to bring that farm to bottle to table experience became my full-time in 2017 uh, gig with Seed Ranch. And, and really, it's about finding white space there in, in a very crowded hot sauce market through unique flavors, you know, simple but modern branding, and a lot of tasting. So really, the, the, the company was conceived of and grown for the first two years at farmers markets here in the Boulder, Denver area. Mm -hmm. And then tell us a little bit of the trajectory of growth into both direct sales online and then finally retail. Mm -hmm. So I had some experience selling on Amazon. So even from the very beginning, 
we we were on Amazon so that if somebody visiting from California and Boulder, they could buy it again somewhere. Um, but in terms of that market approach, it was about building awareness, getting a lot of feedback from customers. And then really the, the early days was me going to every local grocery store and pitching them in person for the most part. And then you know, Boulder, Colorado is a big natural foods hub. So there's a lot of folks who are generous with their time and knowledge in terms of getting me off the ground because I haven't been in the CPG space. But it was it was really that local regional focus, you know, starting with uh, the Lucky's Markets, Alfalfa's, our, our local grocery stores, you know, going from five to 10 to 20 to 30 local and regional outlets where I could go in and demo and have people experience the actual flavor there. Um, that's 27, 2018. And in, in 18, we launched with um, King Supers, which is a Kroger banner um, in their Colorado Proud section, which has been a great success. And pretty much 17, 18, 19, 20, all those years we doubled in size. And that was looking you know, markets eventually went away, obviously in 2020, uh, but we had stopped doing them uh, towards the end of 19 to really focus on retail, direct consumer and our Amazon business too. Mm -hmm. So what are the, so as you're, we want to move, transition into, into grown as, but are there particular lessons that you learned um, and takeaways from that experience? It sounds like a three or four year arc of getting into retail because we we talk about and we'll be doing this in a few weeks at our own CPG uh, brand insider summit. Uh, we talk to CPGs, especially emerging and new ones, all the time about the sheer expense and effort to get into physical retail. I mean, I've, I've had CPGs and I've had um, D 2 C CPGs say to me, uh, "Look, it costs more to get in there." than mm -hmm. in co-marketing agreements and various distribution agreements and shelf agreements uh, than, than we can make. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you learned about how to do this in a profitable way. Yeah, absolutely. And it is really expensive. You know, I think there are two ways to launch a CPG brand. One is with a lot of cash in the bank and the other is with a lot of determination, grit and focus. Mm -hmm. And I will say that like any product, you have to have differentiation, a problem to solve, if you will. You know, as a founder, you need to have that passion and the curiosity is going to keep you going, you know, through the Saturdays and Sundays and late nights. In terms of the retail launch, what we really did was just said, we're going to focus on anywhere that will support us if we support them without free fills, without marketing agreements, without those big deductions. Now, as we grew, it's kind of part of the system and it's how retailers can charge the prices they do and distributors you know, are only marking up a certain amount to those retailers. So you free fills, for instance, is really the, the big one for a lot of early CPGs because it says, okay, well, if I'm going to go to Whole Foods National, that's 550 odd cases of each flavor uh, you know, for, for those stores. You're getting paid $0 on all those. And so you're starting in a hole. Mm -hmm. So the back to that local and regional side, if you don't have those, what I would call marketing dollars for free fill, for awareness, it's not worth going to a thousand stores and then all of a sudden you can't support them and the, the cash flow falls out and you go away. It's really around hey, who's the who's the local grocery store who can support you? Are there any smaller markets where you can spread the word? Mm -hmm. 
you know, in-person events work for some brands, for other brands, not so much. But it's it's such a wonderful way to get customer feedback so that when you're going to retail and you're talking with those buyers, mm-hmm. you know, okay, hey, this is our best seller. This is our second and our third. These ones, they do well with this some set, but really you want to focus on these three mm-hmm. because less is more in a lot of ways in terms of the turns on the shelf and mm-hmm. the ability for me as a founder or me as a founder plus a small team to be able to impact that outside of running ads, marketing, you know, just dollar oriented, uh, you know, velocity push. Hmm. So let, let's uh, move over to Gronaz and the uh, and the mac and cheese uh, idea. First of all, where did you generate this idea? Why move into this product line among many other possibilities off of the, the original? Well, you you let off with the uh, the vegan joke, and I my version is a vegan and a CrossFitter walk into a room. Who's gonna you know talk first? Um, but the for me during the pandemic, right? So I've been vegan for going on seven years now, and my two boys decided to go vegetarian on their own after watching the Game Changers movie, and they love mac and cheese. So I was feeding them uh, Annie's mac and cheese. And I really wanted them to have a dairy-free alternative for health reasons, for many reasons. Um, Nothing on the shelf really did it. They wouldn't eat it. I didn't want to eat it. And so during the pandemic, stuck at home, we already had with Seed Ranch Flavor a cheddar craving and spicy queso cheese alternative seasoning. Uh, And so I took that as a base and started experimenting in the kitchen. You know, my my title of chief of flavor actually has real world uh, implications because every single product starts in my kitchen. Uh, so I every bench top starts, you know, literally on my kitchen countertop uh, and tasting with friends and things. So over time, they started not only eating it, but preferring mine to Annie's. I stopped buying Annie's and that formula became the base for grown as foods for the the classic flavor that we have and then uh using some real black truffle we also have the the truffle skew so it was it was really around there's nothing out there that tastes good there's nothing out there's the devil you know kind of products that are not great and children at the end of the day kids are your toughest critics because you can feed it to your friends and they'll go, Steve, I really like this, you know, plant-based meatloaf. And then they'll go and tell somebody else, oh, that, that meatloaf wasn't very good, right? Kids are going to tell you straight up. And if there's an empty bowl, that's a great sign. If there's still food in there or they won't take more than one bite, we know where we're going with that. Well, speaking of the kid-oriented uh, piece of this, one of the things that stands out about this product is the packaging. Uh, because it looks more, because uh, unlike other mac and cheese and plant-based products generally, it looks a little bit more like a cereal box to me <laughs> than, it do, than it does your standard mac and cheese, let alone a plant-based product. Uh, it's got a very cartoonish character uh, on the front of it. And, uh, those of you will see it in the newsletter. There's a there's sort of an, an elbow, a, a marching elbow macaroni uh, uh, on the cover, as well as very bright um uh, very bright coloring, clearly made to 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 catch the eye on the shelf. I know that there was a lot of thought that went into both 
the brand name that you chose and also this direction in terms of packaging. And it has a lot to do with the way you think about CPG marketing and what's necessary here. So sort of walk us through those choices, both in terms of the brand name, but also the packaging, what you have in mind and how you think CPG really needs to sell itself on the shelf. So when we decided to launch the mac and cheese and as a larger concept, right, grown as foods is around one-to-one -one cheese replacement in the center store. So shelf-stable cheese replacement. And that'll give you a, a hint into our growth, you know, projects. But we we knew that the Seed Ranch brand was great locally and great for farmers markets. But if you if you watched over the last five years, products went from very bright to all modern, a lot of white space, a lot of, if you go in the beverage aisle, for instance, you'll see this over and over again. And so Seed Ranch didn't feel like the right brand for this new and exciting line. And we wanted, we looked at the liquid deaths of the world. We looked at bitch and sauce, no evil foods. Some of these that had decided to take this bold stand with the brand. Mm -hmm. And knowing that on the shelf, you've got one to three seconds of someone's attention and they're already reaching for the brand they know and have been buying for a long time. It's really about what pops, something cheeky, something fun, slightly irreverent. You know, the, the, the name grown as foods with the asterisks, of course, it's about, hey, it's kind of the Simpsons effect, right? Mm -hmm. The parents get in on the joke. They understand but kids can laugh at Mac-Man and really get a smile on their face. So the cereal box, that's the first time I've heard that. And I really like the analogy because that is one of mm. those areas in the store that still does have that poppy kind of branding, especially around the kids stuff. Um, right. Well, and it's aimed at, at, at kids' appeal, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, around the, the nomenclature, we wanted we wanted a brand that was punchy. We wanted a voice that was going to attract attention in a slightly challenging way, but in a fun way. And we are unapologetically vegan, uh, as as we like to say, but we're not going to hit everyone over the head with it. Um, I didn't call it vegan Dave's mac and cheese. Um, you know, I I wanted it to be something that the dairy free set the you know, kind of <clears throat> move towards more health conscious, even the Mediterranean diet that I'm seeing everywhere, the first thing they say is drop the dairy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we wanted to appeal to our vegan set, our dairy-free set, in addition to the plant curious people who maybe they've had a Beyond Burger, maybe they liked it, maybe they didn't, but they're interested in having more vegetables on the plate. Mm -hmm. So um, let me let me tie this back to your original insights about getting into retail for um, for your for your hot sauce products um, because that was a slow that was a slow and organic growth from the mm -hmm. bottom up from you know from from trade events and 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 you know on the ground testing into re into retail but in this case you just launched this in late. Um, late 22, and you already have hundreds of retailers that have signed on. What's different between the launch, your original launch of the hot sauce product and the grown as launch? What have you learned or what relationships do you have now that have helped you get a pretty fast start relative to your last one? Mm -hmm. 
so June, late June 2022, we went to Fancy Foods in New York with the new branding because we did have an old brand that, um, you know, we kind of talk about return on failure and that brand just didn't didn't cut the muster. Um, a big difference. Well, there's two differences. One was we had an established relationship with a lot of buyers, with distributors, et cetera. So leveraging those relationships and those conversations we've been having over the years. The other is the brand. Mm -hmm. Really, the, the the brand was both on trend in terms of you know dairy-free and vegan, um, but also punchy. And when buyers and you know, retailers or just regular folks at these shows saw it. There was always a smile and kind of a, a laugh and, oh, I will taste that, right? So there was, there was a, a conscious effort to really make that pop. Mm -hmm. um, and we we still did a lot of veg fests. We did local vegan festivals as well as ones in Las Vegas and in Miami to get that customer feedback. So there was still that loop of we want the customer's opinion. We want to see are we are we are we right or are we drinking our own Kool-Aid in terms of flavor, in terms of what's there. Mm -hmm. So we we had a little bit of confidence going in uh that hey, this is a great product. This is a a much different category, right? Hot sauce is very busy and mac and cheese is busy too, but we have a significant differentiation in terms of clean ingredients set in terms of you know the brand and the, the biggest one is flavor which obviously you can't get by just looking at the package you have to eat it um, so yeah we went i mean the the long and the short of it is it took us you know six years almost seven to get into the stores we're in with uh seed ranch right now mm -hmm. and we'll be in 700 plus stores uh, by the end of this month, uh, including you know Sprouts, Harmons, Hy-Vee, uh, King Supers, and City Market here, uh, and and having a lot of really great conversations with some other retailers. Um, what is the state of the plant-based market now? Because it seems to me, from a consumer's perspective, I've seen it mushroom, and then it seems to have contracted. I actually, you know, made me curious this weekend when I couldn't find what I was looking for. Uh, I sort of scoped out where the uh, the plant the plant based shelf space, um, and, and especially in the, in the refrigerated and freezer aisles, and it seemed smaller rather than larger. Uh, and I know, as I said, uh, and at the open. In conversations I've had with QSRs that have been introducing and bringing in plant-based products, it seems as if the public response was a little bit more um, vegan curious and then incurious, and that the mm -hmm. actual market didn't seem to be as big as many had anticipated. So I'm curious what you're seeing and what your impression of this is. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, the you know seven percent of the country is vegan, self self-proclaimed. Uh, the then you've got about 30 to 50 million Americans who are lactose intolerant. So that, that's a big part of our market too. And then you have health and heart conscious. Um, so in terms of the vegan market, you have the meat replacements and dairy replacements, I would say. And then the just happens to be vegan. So something like candy with loads of sugar in it can be vegan. It's not to say that it's the best or, thing on or the shelf. Or <laughs> Yeah, sure. exactly. We, we all we all love the guy right? who didn't put milk powder in Oreos. Right. Um, <laughs> the so the way I look at it, if if we look at paleo, for instance, 
paleo was just the craze for the longest time. We don't hear about paleo so much anymore. Now it's still on bags. It's still, but it's it's what I would say reaching a steady state versus being part of a huge upward trend. So I think with with vegan, it was very hot and remains. I would say in a growth growth mode, but it's not all the, all the craze, right? So I think the the reality with that and keto, I believe this year and next year we'll start to see people focused on keto products, but they're not screaming keto all over the bag. It's it's mm-hmm. about the you know high in good fats and you know carb free and th- those types of longer term. So for, for for me, when I look at vegan, it, it's hitting its stride in terms of an everyday item. But in that process, you know, just like, you know, your fast food food world, world wars of like the 80s, where there was one on every corner, and then it kind of settled in, okay, here's your here's your winners, and here's your main players. So is it is it going anywhere? No, I do think some of the hype will settle. And, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the beyond and impossibles of the world look, look like. Um, mm. But I, I don't think it's going anywhere. And, you know, in terms of the feedback I'm getting, that dairy-free side and the allergen-free side are equally as important in that vegan market, mm-hmm. you know, not just about, okay, it's plant-based for the sake of being plant-based. Um, and then the last piece I'll say is, you know, I think there's a lot of pushback against the highly engineered, you know, vegan foods, right? So cleaner ingredient vegan foods that people feel like they're eating vegetables instead of eating something mm-hmm. that was you know developed in a lab will win and mm-hmm. will become i think more of the the staple so i probably like you i do have so on you know two days ago i made impossible burgers on the grill for me and my two boys and they love them but i'm not going to give them that every day right it's the same as any kind of I won't say junk food purely, but food that, you know, is a once a week or once every two weeks rather than a a daily item. Um, And let's round out by talking about media planning, uh, because you've Mm -hmm. got several channels at work. As you said, you were experienced in Amazon and your products sell on Amazon and have for for a while, including this one, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you've got you have direct sales because you've got especially for the hot sauce, you've you've got um, a direct sales, even a subscription product, I think, around that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, of course, you've got retail. Uh, that's quite a mix and quite a mix to maintain. I'm curious what you've discovered about how you allocate for your media, which media, how they reinforce one another um, as as you you know are working across really these very three very different channels. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the the question also leads me to think about what in retail as a CPG brand, I look at it as growing brand equity, as company value. It's really tough to be a profitable, scalable CPG company just in retail. Omnichannel is about sustainability, cash flow, and profitability. Um, in terms of media, you know, the, the biggest the biggest piece for us has been constantly testing in an ever-changing world where we don't have the margins to go and hire a big agency to run this and spend cash for six, 12 months to really learn and get, you know. So we're mainly doing it internally. We do have a small Amazon agency we work with. 
Uh, Amazon, we have a pretty, we have, you know, basically guardrails up on Amazon, on Meta and anywhere else where we're going to advertise, where we say, you know, if we're not hitting this ROAS, uh, if we're not hitting this ACoS, then we'll drop the spend. So, you know, we, we do spend on Amazon ads. We have limited uh, Meta ads and those really have gone to zero at times and then come back up just to make sure, all right, what's the goal with our media spend? And for us, it's about that omni-channel. Okay, we want this to be the cash flow driver to allow us to continue growing in retail and continue growing the brand equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are there are brands I know, you know, especially as as we get larger, where it is about really brand presence and awareness because that's that's the the toughest part about the cpg game is there's so many products in a grocery store and so many products on amazon how do you shout above the noise um and the you know i'm i'm just reading my notes here but the i think the back to the the omni channel you know food service direct to consumer i'll put amazon in its own bucket because i really do feel like it's it's its own platform. It's its own beast. You have to play with with Amazon's rules. With a limited level of media spend, it's about focus for us. Mm-hmm. So if we're having success with a channel, we're going to go deep with that channel and literally shut everything off uh, otherwise or keep the lights on but very small so that we can be sure, all right, let's let's take advantage because the trends... Sure, as you you see all the time. I mean, you know, there's there's no longer evergreen ads that are gonna you know deliver a million dollars of value a year. Everything is constantly changing, and the rules are constantly changing. Uh, are you finding that retail presence is driving, say, your online sales? Definitely, definitely. I mean the 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 trick with retail is how do I get somebody to pick up the box the first time around, mm-hmm. and then. Maybe it's they're ordering on Instacart. Then maybe it's, all right, it's part of my Amazon cart. So with especially with pantry staples, the uh, you know, the idea is, oh, okay, that, you know, we might go through two to three boxes of mac and cheese a week, maybe. Um, so if it's not there immediately, but you're on Amazon buying a 24-pack of your favorite beverage, why not just add it to the cart? So it becomes a really, um, and it, it really, it's it's circular, right? So it works both ways because if somebody has purchased us before and then they see us on the shelf in the store, it's a real aha moment mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. And I, I've seen that personally with brands that I love that I have, have bought either direct through them or through Amazon. And I see them on the store at, you know, the shelf at, at Whole Foods, Natural Grocers, Sprouts, you know, and I will buy that brand because of almost the 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 pleasure factor of of seeing it on the shelf and knowing, all right, I can get this locally now. I can get this at my favorite store. Um, what's the uh, did did I hear you correctly that uh, re- replacement cheese product might be the next uh, hill to climb? So it, it's less about a um, just the cheese. It's around what products in the center store feature that cheese powder cheese flavor mm-hmm. all those those pieces so we really want people to our customers to understand 
this is the tastiest, healthiest, but not health food version of a, a cheese that you can get, right? We're giving you that big flavor. It's not just a bunch of artificial flavors in there, um, but something you can trust. So anywhere in, in the store that you see it, you know, okay, grown as food, that's going to taste great. Now I just have to decide what's the medium, you know, is it a mac and cheese? Is it a chip? Is it a popcorn? Is it, you know, all, all those different pieces? Well, um, I can, I can put in a vote from, from a vegan perspective, I'll put in a vote for anything cheese related, because that is the big white space. I think for vegans is there are very poor uh, stand-ins for cheese for us. And a lot of us transitioned from ve vegetarianism where cheese was a very big part of our, of our menu mix. Into mm -hmm. That's like the big thing that we miss. When people ask what, what don't we miss meat? Actually, I think most of us will say, no, we miss cheese more than anything else. Abs no, absolutely. I'm in the same boat. And for me, one of the hardest ones was actually, um, you know, creamer in my coffee. And so the rise of oat milk and the 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 oat creamers was a big one for me. Uh, that one that one was big and cheese on pizza, right? I mean, I I've had a few that are really getting there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we 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 pride ourselves in the taste and the flavor, the mouthfeel and the texture. And on top of it, right, you've got zero cholesterol. You've got way less fat. And as a as a longtime vegan, you know, nutritional yeast has often stood in mm -hmm. and it's, it's nice, but it's not quite there, right? It's not cheese. It's 70% and it, mm -hmm. it gives us a hint, but we wanted to take it that next mile. <laughs> well, good luck with all of that. Um, and, and, and I think we've probably filled, we probably filled the ear, the ears of our listeners with enough that you can talk to, to yeah, last yeah. a while now. David Delcourt, thank you so much. I uh, hope we, we see you soon at one of our insider summits. And that leads me into my closing to remind everyone that uh, we are hosting our Brand Insider CPG Summit in just a couple of weeks on March 26th through the 29th in Scottsdale. Brands attending include Mars Pet Care, Chobani, Liquid Death, Liquid IV, Clorox Company, Pepsi, Bear, and more. If you're interested in attending live or virtually, go to mediapost.com forward slash events and find the links. And until next time, thanks for everybody. See you soon. Thanks for hitting play on MediaPost Brand Insider Podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there. <laughs>